Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another edition of the Axis Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Chip Scoggins and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. You guys are in Seattle, fresh off the Vikings' 27-26 to loss to the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. We are doing this after midnight, Minnesota time anyway, um, right afterward. And so this is fresh reaction right off the Vikings falling to 1-4 and four in a game that not many people expected them to be in. Um, but it came down to the final play. Ben, what was it like as that game's coming down to Russell Wilson um, doing what he does? Yeah, you said it, doing what he does. I mean, I, I said a chip in the middle of the fourth quarter um, after the, the fourth down or right around that time that if they – well, actually, I think it was before that. I think I said to you, Chip, on that drive, I said they need a touchdown because this is still too much time for – and I'll just say what I said <laughs> – Russell Wilson to pull it out of his ass, yeah. which yeah. <laughs> we've seen him do many, many, many times. Uh, it's probably the one thing on which Vikings fans and Packers fans can agree is the Russell Wilson-induced PTSD that comes from – largely in this building. I mean, the Vikings have seen him do it here. I mean, certainly they saw him do it at TCF in uh, 2015, the playoffs with the help of Blair Wallace. Really the only time they've played them that hasn't been close, I think was 2012. Again, Percy Harvin, it was a lot, turned out to be the last time Percy Harvin played for the Vikings. And then um, they got blown out in 2015 at TCF in the regular season. But other than that, it's been a lot of these Russell Wilson pulling something out at the very end and you know he's, he's 94 yards or whatever he had to do in the last two minutes it's like two fourth down conversions I mean what do you say the guy is a magician and uh he did it to him again yeah and and uh the thing that everybody will talk about is Zimmer's uh decision to go for there and fourth and one I supported it I said in that situation, I'm fine with being aggressive and go for it. I was you, need, you, you need not even a full yard. You need half a yard. The game's over, basically. Um, you know, because they had one timeout, they'd have been a stop, but you could have run it. I don't know if you could have run the clock all the way out. I assume you can, but you, you can. You have the game in your hands. And, and Seattle defense is not good. They, they rank dead last in the NFL in yards allowed. You, you have momentum. Madison was running well. Um, I, I'm fine with your one and three going against a team that's undefeated on the road. Throw your punch right there. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out, and fans will hate it. And um, it's easy. That's a you know an easy one to second guess. But my first guess at the time was I'm fine with going with it, and I, I'll still say that. Yeah, yeah. And Chip, you and I both said to each other in the press box, like, go win the game. Like, yeah, you've been running it down the throat. Go win the game. And, and we we saw the replay afterwards that it looked like he bounced it out. CJ Ham had the edge sealed and said he ran up the middle. And you know, Zimmer said, I don't want to question it too much because you got to let those guys play with their instincts. And I think that that makes sense where he was coming from with that. But uh, yeah, if, if Madison bounces it out, it's probably a one on one. And he either gets, certainly gets the first down, I think, and maybe walks into the end zone. But uh, it was not to be. Yeah, at that point, the Vikings are coming off. I believe it was a 72-yard drive, a 92-yard drive, both touchdown drives. 
they were running all over. Um, they were already up to near 200 rushing yards at that point. As you guys pointed out, the Seahawks defense was pretty bad throughout much of this game. And whether it was Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison, they were able to push the, the pile and kind of find those creases. And so you're already successful, too, on multiple fourth down attempts before this. Why not absolutely do that? To me, the process was 100% right. The results just didn't turn out. And frankly, the results almost did because, as you said, they had the hole. He had the hole right there on the right side. And Alexander Madison just doesn't see it and kind of runs into the pile behind C.J. Ham. It's just an unfortunate ending and, and one that Vikings fans probably feel like is a little bit too familiar. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think some people are looking at it the as much that, but also the going for two – earlier when you're down what 19 to 21 and the cousins draw up the middle but if you kick there then you're up 20 it's it would have been 27 21 you would have kicked the field goal and then you you win the game um because you had been you had been up 30 to 21 with the field goal again hindsight you got one yard go win the game and then if you don't i know it's russell wilson and he's a magician and he you know he's he does this but just make a play. It's 94 yards in less than a minute and 42 seconds. Just make one play, you know? I mean, we, it's easy to go back and look at things that happen second half, second quarter, third quarter, whatever, but, you know, just get one yard. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem. Well, and they had almost done it too. Two fourth and tens. That first fourth and ten. What Ben, what did you think about? It's Cameron Dantzler against DK Metcalf, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, Zimmer said afterwards he – he thought he was going to intercept the pass. I mean, it almost looked like he had it read. And then at the last second, there was just a, a – I think he almost looked like he maybe overran it or thought the ball was going to be overthrown on Dantzler. I mean, Dan, or on, uh, on Metcalf. Metcalf ended up with a, a huge cushion to make the catch. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, it, it looked like he misread it. A little bit. Yeah, it didn't look like he misread it because, like, he, he, there was probably – two yards or three yards in between him and he jumped like look like he misread the ball yeah I, I that's what I mean I, I think I, I wonder if he thought that it was going to be an overthrow that he could just play center field and pick it off although at that point <laughs> you yeah. play the ball and and the game's over either way but yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it was probably just a spatial awareness thing I'll be interested to hear if we get to talk to Cameron Danzler this week about that play what the thought process was there and what happened but you know and they they needed four cracks at it to get in the end zone at the end, but they were down to the, the six yard line or whatever it was, or 10 yard line, I guess, um, with plenty of time. I mean, it, it really, they got down there awfully easily and it, it ended up only coming down to the second, fourth down because I think Tyler Lockett had a, a catch that he bobbled in the end. Well, I guess Mike Hughes made the breakup and give Mike Hughes credit for the play there, but it looked like at the, at that point, initially, that that was going to be an easy touchdown and that was going to be it. But yeah, it only came down to the fourth down because the Vikings did what they've done for a lot of the year and <clears throat> stood up in the red zone. They just needed to do it one more time. And, and like I wrote in my game story, the, the small margins are where Russell Wilson has broken a lot of hearts. Well, guys, before we get to Dalvin cook and before we talked about, I mean, that main storyline and other stuff, what should the reaction to this be? The Vikings are one in four. They're, um, two one-point losses within that to the Titans and the Seahawks here. We talked about this leading up to the game. I didn't expect the Vikings to be in this game. I didn't expect them to come down to the final play. I expected this to look like the blowout that the kind of 
third quarter looked like. Um, what, do, what did you guys think the kind of reaction should be? Because right now it feels like fans are thinking like fire Zimmer. And it's like, that. Yeah. They, I didn't even think they were going to carry a team into this game. No, I, I, I think it's fair to say, and whether this is, you know, you know, faint praise or whatever, they are making progress. I mean, um, offensively, now we'll see what Dalvin is, but um, this team can score some points, right? Um, they're going to have some hiccups with Cousins, and you're going to have to live with it, but they're also going to have some times where they look really good. I think, I think Ben hit it uh, nail on the head, their margin of error is they can look good for really times, but they have such a small margin of error because of youth, injuries, whatever, just not being good enough that um, they're not at a position to win these these close games. That is true. They, they don't have somebody that's going to step up and make the play, you know. And so, I, I, hey, the first two weeks, I thought they were going to be 0-16. <laughs> look at the way they played. And they, they, they are definitely making some progress now. Is that enough to keep people satisfied? Probably not. A game like this, we felt like you should have won. But um, I, I do see some progress in areas. Well, it's interesting after the game. I mean, you hear a lot of people talking about we're close. We like our process. We like everything we're doing. We just need to finish the games. <clears throat> that sounds like the line of thinking of a young team that is starting mm-hmm. to admit that this is not as much of a win-now season as it was initially portrayed as being in the off season. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's kind of where they're at, but it does seem like that is shifting. I, I do think it's interesting on kind of big picture level to look at, I mean, the Seahawks have done this on the fly morphing from power running team that has a, a stout defense, you know, famously stout defense during their Super Bowl years to a team that can't stop anybody. And, just relies on its quarterback. And we saw, we've seen the pitfalls of that approach, certainly in Green Bay over the last few years when they got too much along those lines with Aaron Rodgers and just, you know, the Packers had years there where it was, okay, Aaron, just go win it by yourself. But I, I do think it is an interesting sort of dichotomy between the Vikings having to have everything go perfect, that you have to have the running back, you have to have weapons, you have to have a great defense to win with Kirk Cousins and the Seahawks having the guy that it's like a basketball game. If you get enough possessions, he's going to get his at some point. You're not going to be able to keep him down for the whole game. I ended up, I picked the Seahawks, I think, to win this one by four. I thought it would be close, but I I think I wrote in my uh, preview today that eventually it was going to be the difference with Russell Wilson. And every time, we see the Vikings play this guy. I just, my mind goes back to something that we heard from the previous coaching staff. And it only matters now because if things were different, he potentially would still be the quarterback in Minnesota. And who knows how he develops and, and where it all goes. But they coached him in the 2012 senior bowl uh, when they had, they were three and 13 and, and had a high pick. They loved him and wanted him to be here. Now, the Vikings had drafted Christian Ponder the year before that. They eventually did not take Russell Wilson, of course. They took Josh Robinson with the third round pick instead. And the Seahawks took Russell Wilson. But I I go back to that a lot when they play him, that there were people in the building that were banging the table for this guy. And you know, it's it's tough to do that a year after you draft somebody in the first round, you know, we've seen the, the Cardinals do it with Kyler Murray after Josh Rosen and, and probably wouldn't have gone that way at the time. But uh, it, it always just sticks in my mind when 
you see this run he's had here, and the Vikings now have lost to him seven times, including a playoff game and, and some other heartbreakers here. It, it's uh, it's worth keeping in mind that he could have been doing all this in a perfect potentially. Yeah, no, that that's the fact that you know the kind of woulda coulda with the with the draft with a guy like that too, who was right in your not backyard, but Wisconsin at least for a year yeah. was that's not too far away. Um, but nobody knew necessarily he was going to be this great, but clearly he went in the third round and has been pretty good. Uh, I want to talk about how the Vikings played him tonight because it was very similar to what we've seen recently. We've, we've only seen Russell Wilson blow out the Vikings like what once, and it was yeah. PCF Bank Stadium. And so, yeah, only once under Mike Zimmer. They had a couple games under Leslie Frazier that kind of got away from them late. They turned into shootouts, and the Seahawks were just better. I mean, that was like Super Bowl Seahawks years, but uh, the only time they really just wiped them out from start to finish was that game at TCF in 15. Yeah, and this was another close one where I thought Mike Zimmer's game plan, I thought the way the defense approached it, I wasn't expecting four first-half sacks. I wasn't expecting um, I wasn't expecting Russell Wilson to look as flustered when his downfield options weren't there. I wasn't expecting – he just didn't look like himself for three quarters, and then all of a sudden it just, a switch just flipped. I mean, what, what did you guys think about the way he played yeah. in the Vikings defense? Yeah. yeah, think about this, Andrew – First half, Vikings have 15 first downs. Seahawks ran 18 plays. And, yeah. you know, the, the two sacks uh, basically disrupted two series. And I, I he looked um, flustered and unsure in that first half. And then, you know, it just takes a couple turnovers, and he creates that spark. And then, honest to God, it was like they scored 21 points, and it felt like a minute and a half. It was <laughs> a minute and a half. It was literally <laughs> a game time. It was just about a minute and a half. It was unbelievable, but that's, you know, it's like you give him an opening and, and that's what happened. And, it, you know, those plays and then he hits a couple and then all of a sudden, um, you know, and, and and I do think Dalvin's injury really sucked the life out of the sideline over there. There's no way if you're on that sideline, there's no way you don't think, oh, no, and gulp. I mean, and I think it. It coincided with Cousins' turnovers. He's out. Now, all of a sudden, they have a spark in life, and they score. And so, um, yeah, I thought Zimmer's game plan was, was fine. I mean, they had, safe, you know, the rush. They blitzed them and got there. They got there with four guys. Um, he mixed up coverages. So, um, I, I thought the blueprint was was a winning blueprint. There's, you know, there's going to give the guy who's going to be the MVP of the league or is the MVP of the league right now. Uh, was better than him on the last drive. Yeah, it was, it was an aggressive approach, I thought, from the Vikings, both offensively when we're talking about fourth down and then defensively when at the end it's just nonstop blitzes, just uh, linebackers, safeties, defensive backs trying to make Russell Wilson just kind of get the ball out as sooner than he wanted to, maybe a little less precise. And then, of course, it comes down to the very end. Um, Chip, you bring up Dalvin Cook's injury, that third quarter kind of momentum shift. That was right after that when I believe Russell Wilson threw that 19-yard touchdown pass to kind of kick off the whole Seattle run. Um, what what from there, I guess, are the Vikings going to do um, or yeah. if Dalvin Cook is out? Well, he, you know, he came back for one play, and clearly he, he was just kind of jogging. It was not going to work, and he, he left. I mean, groin injuries, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, what's the severity of it? How long these last? I mean, obviously Madison had a good game. He, what, he went up 100 and something yards tonight? 112, I think, yeah. Um, so I think you have to feel uh, 
you know, optimistic with him back there that he can at least, you know, be a, a competent running back. I mean, obviously that last one, he should have bounced it. I think everybody saw that, but, um, but he's not Dalvin, you know, I mean, Dalvin's just a difference maker and you built your whole offense around this guy. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I mean, he gave him a big contract and we had the injury history and, and people will question whether you give that kind of money to a running back. I still say it was the right decision. He's a difference maker. And, and I know, you know, one, one injury and that money looks, you, you question whether you give a, a running back, you hear that pounding back, um, give a running back that kind of money. But I, I still think it was the right decision to, to, to do that. That was Chip literally pounding the table for Dallas. Yeah, they're, they're, they're tearing down the stadium behind me. Sorry. I, I was listening to audio of, uh, I think it was Cousins or Zimmer, and Chip's famously vigorous typing <laughs> comes through. He's sitting next to me in the press box. I can just hear all the, the keys being sounded in the, in the audio. I'm trying to listen. Like, I can't hear what Cousins is saying, and Chip is too loud with his typing. But um, it, it's I, – I don't think I'd play Cook this week. I mean, you got a bye week coming. I, I don't think it makes any sense to put him out there against the Falcons, who's, who you should be able to beat without him i mean i think you run madison in that one and, and call it and say we're gonna give it two weeks to let the thing quiet down and it just doesn't seem like it makes a ton of sense to try to rush him back for this one we'll see if it goes that way mike simmers is having an mri tomorrow i i would tend to think you probably i mean we, i think we were in this bubble two years ago where it was trying to give him time to recover before a bye week and then eventually i think reverse course and went to try it and and that ended up having a hamstring injury that lingered a lot longer and I think Cook is on the record with that as saying I shouldn't have done that so I guess I would tend to think that he would advocate for himself and I think they would probably say let's just with a soft tissue injury like that let's not push it against the Falcons yeah I guess the the only good news for the Vikings is that it's not one of those injuries that he sustained multiple times already it's not something that's potentially like the shoulder popping out again or labrum tears or something with the knee again. Um, it's, it's potentially something that you would hope is um, not severe in, in the sense that he'd be able to come back quickly. Um, with that said, though, we know the durability issues. The Vikings seem to have tried to spell Dalvin Cook with Alexander Madison in moments of games. However, the 0-2 start really – They rode him pretty hard tonight in the first 21 half. touches in the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> catches. So what I'm saying is the best laid plans of them going into a season and saying, hey, these are our plans, what we're going to try and do. Then all of a sudden they find themselves, oh, we're 0-2, 0-3. Oh, we really need to start riding this guy. And ever since the road trip to Houston, they've really been riding this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, he is their their most indispensable player on offense, and I think they know that. I think they know that it's not their quarterback, which – I don't, I don't think he's a mystery to anybody. It's just, it's that thing again, where you have a quarterback that you are paying to be the guy and everybody seems to know that you can't win that way. And it puts you in a tough spot because you are banking on a running back who is not going to have as long of a shelf life, who you are using a lot. And every time you have workload games like that, it's, it's probably like a pitcher where you, you do that enough, it's going to lead to a lot of wear and tear, and there's only so long you can keep that up, at, at least I think in this day and age. 
Yeah, Chip, I guess moving forward, you talked about Alexander Masson not being Dalvin Cook. How much of a drop-off is there if we're talking about Alexander Masson being the guy against the Falcons? Well, I think, I think he's a good uh, uh, running back. I mean, he might be a one on some teams. I don't know. I just think Dalvin's special. You know, I just think Dalvin's in that kind of top five class in the NFL. And so it's, it's not a knock on Dalvin or on Madison to say he's not Dalvin. Um, you know, heck, he read for 120 or 100 whatever yards it was tonight. So he's, you know, he's clearly has talent. Um, a lot of hardball runs when they, when they needed him. I mean, I, yeah. I thought he, he ran awfully yeah. hard. And yeah, so I, I don't think, he, I don't think it's the thing where he, like, quarterback, if you had to go to Sean Mannion, we're like, okay, this is a big drop off from, from him. I don't think it's that, but um, I don't know that he has the home, home run ability that, that Dalvin has. Um, so I think that's where the difference is. But, can you beat the Falcons with Masson? Yeah, you should be able to beat the Falcons with, with Alexander Masson as your running back. Yeah, that's why they spent a third-round pick a couple years ago on the position, knowing that, hey, we still had a year after spending that pick in the second round on Dalvin Cook, knowing that they needed that kind of guy behind him just in case. Um, hey, I, are... question. Yes, I have one question for you, too. Yeah, go ahead. What are they going to do at guard? With oh, some... boy. Oh, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, it has to be addressed. I mean – there has to yeah. be another option. Yeah. So Drew Samia's, uh, what was it? Four penalties tonight, three holding calls. Um, really? Yes. And a block in the back. that was also declined. Just an yeah, atrocious game. I thought from you know, the offensive line overall, obviously when you put up 400 yards and that many points, you're doing something right. Overall Zimmer said he thought they played well, but that right guard spot, <laughs> Ben, what, what do you do? Well, you hope Pat Elfline comes back quickly and then you realize that if you're hoping for Pat Elfline to be the answer you might be in some trouble I, I he's better he, I mean he's, he's better than Samia I, mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that but it's not going to solve the problem completely I, I think that that's a spot that you have to go out and, and try to do something I, I just you know Josh Klein is still sitting out there I don't know that that's going to be solution i think if it was going to be it probably would have been by now but uh guys yeah. what does it say about ezra cleveland yeah there's that too that's a good point i mean they have obviously the coaches are gonna play who they think is the best guy and i know you don't have the off season and, and that affected him but five games in now and, and frankly it's been how many games for samia three and a half basically um or can rashad hill play guard or uh no he cannot no so um, there, yeah, it, it's Ezra Cleveland or Drew Samia right now, or Pat Elfline, as Ben said, coming back. So, um, Pat Elfline's actually eligible to come back this week, but from my understanding, is what I've been told about that thumb injury and what he had, it's going to be like month plus, two month plus. This wasn't this wasn't a situation where he was going to come back anytime soon. So, they're what they got to do is figure out: is it Drew Samia, or do we throw Ezra out there and just see? Hey, maybe he does better against the Falcons. And let's be frank. The Falcons, who just fired Dan Quinn, fired their general manager. This is a kind of team where maybe you can try something out like that and then go into the bye week and figure it all out from there. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. But anyway, we'll end this podcast right now. Uh, send you guys into the week. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com and check out our podcast on Wednesday, previewing the Falcons game. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>